Live via the computer machine to your phone or other such device. I'm Dave Rubin. This is the Rubin Report, and it's Friday, which means we've got another roundtable extravaganza for you. Joining me today is the host of the News and Why It Matters on Blaze TV, Sarah Gonzalez, and the editor in chief of the Post Millennial, Libby Emmons. Ladies, welcome back to the Rubin Report. Thanks, Thanks for having us. You're a rare duo that we've put on this show together more than once. Usually we separate people in perpetuity, but we talked to the team and they said, no, we're gonna let them try it again. So here we go. Uh, obviously guys, a uh, lot of fights this week, internal fights, mostly Republicans destroying Republicans, which is not good for anyone, but here we are. Uh, of course, the big one was the Gates versus McCarthy thing. Uh, another one that was going viral yesterday uh, was Ann Coulter was on Patrick Bet David's podcast and they got into it about Trump and DeSantis. Uh, and then DeSantis ramping up the attacks on Trump. And then finally, we will end with Corinne Jean-Pierre versus Corinne Jean-Pierre. Uh, but let's start with uh, let's start with what's going on over at the House. As you guys know, uh, Kevin McCarthy is no longer the majority leader. A uh, little info from the Daily Wire for those of you catching up. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy was forced to vacate the speakership on Tuesday after Democrats voted in support of Representative Matt Gates's motion to vacate the speakership. The 216 to 210 vote marked the first time in U.S. history that the House has ever removed a speaker. The last time that a speakership was even challenged was more than 110 years ago. The other seven Republicans who sided with House Democrats included Andy Biggs, Ken Buck, Eli Crane, Bob Good, Matt Rosendale, Tim Burchett, uh, Nancy Mace, and Patrick McHenry. Uh, and, uh, oh no, sorry, Patrick McHenry has been named Speaker Pro Tempore, so he's temporary speaker to preside over the House until a new speaker is named, likely uh, next week. Uh, ladies, before we get into any of the video on this, Sarah, you first. Uh, what do you think? Uh, the Republicans are fighting the Republicans. Gates is siding with the Dems, at least temporarily, to make this thing happen. Uh, but perhaps this will strengthen the Republican Party in the long term? Yeah, I mean, I, I think maybe this is an unpopular opinion here. I'm not sure, but um, I, I think that it's important to to remember they built in these, you know, motions. The motion to vacate they lowered the threshold for that for this very reason, right? And so, I, I mean, I understand that having a game plan probably would have been a little wiser, maybe communicating that to the rest of us. So what is the game plan once you get Kevin McCarthy out of office? But I do think that it was time that someone holds someone accountable who wears a Ukraine pin still and puts a Ukraine pocket square uh, in his jacket that, you know, this is not something that uh, the, the, the overall Republican Party uh, is in favor of. They haven't done much to secure the border. If anything, I would argue they've had two and a half years to do it. I mean, there have been multiple failures that Kevin McCarthy has had, promises that he has not kept. And so I did, I was in favor of someone holding him accountable, someone doing something about it. Um, and, you know, I thought perhaps maybe there were some backdoor conversations with Jim Jordan, uh, you know, and maybe Matt Gates went to him and said, hey, this is what I want to do. If I'm successful, you should vote for Kevin McCarthy. So you're not a bad guy. And then maybe we can get you in. I wonder if that was a conversation that was had. But I think overall, um, you're really seeing when you see Hillary Clinton come out and call Matt Gates, you know, uh, bad names, say that Matt Gates should be held accountable, say that Matt Gates shouldn't have done what he did. 
I don't, what more proof do you need that Matt Gates is fighting the Uniparty in Washington, D.C., than Hillary Clinton and Kevin McCarthy agreeing that Matt Gates is the bad guy here? Um, I, I know that people are saying that he's fundraising off of it. I think that's just a smart thing to do politically, but I wouldn't say that it was the reason uh, that he did what he did. And I certainly think, if not now, then when? Right. We'll get more to we'll get more on Jim Jordan in just a second. But uh, Libby, the idea that he's working with literally every Democrat, you know, everyone always says we want more bipartisanship. Uh, but do you think he had to offer the Democrats something to make this happen? Or, or do you think that their calculation was just, hey, let's just do anything that the, will make the Republicans look crazy and out of control? Yeah, I think the Democrats went along with Gates because they wanted to mess stuff up, and so did Gates, and that's what they were doing. But I do think that there's some concern, and when we look at the House and we say, hey, they haven't done what we wanted them to do, they are a majority in the House. They cannot get anything through to the Senate if the Senate doesn't pick it up, and there's no guarantee that the White House would sign off on any of the border legislation or anything else that they try to push through. So it is important, it is necessary for the GOP in Congress to work with Democrats whether in the House or the Senate, to make deals and get things passed. Otherwise, they're just passing laws and passing laws, and it doesn't really matter because they're not going to get picked up, right? And they're not actually going to be enacted. So that is a concern. They had McCarthy. McCarthy was able to work with Democrats. Um, as I said, I think that that's essential because otherwise nothing happens. And now they're going to go into a situation where they have absolutely no goodwill with any Democrat at all who is necessary to get things um, to get things passed. So I do think we are potentially looking at a situation where in 45 days we have a government shutdown. Um, I think that's something that Gates and the others wanted uh, and wanted to express that they wanted with their tyranny of the minority, which of course is what that Jeffersonian rule allows for. I think, mm -hmm. um, you know, that's what that's that's what that's about. But are we going to see a government shutdown in 45 days? I also think it's important to note that while Gates was discussing how he didn't want any more funding for Ukraine, which is very popular among the base, many Americans are done with this war after having spent $113 billion on it. In fact, a, um, a New York Post editorial board column talked about how important it is to keep spending on the war because we've already spent $113 billion, <laughs> which is absolutely the most insane position. Like, Oh, right. Let's money money pit, money back. pit. Yeah, it's it's really not. Uh, so I think that's good. But there wasn't any Ukraine funding in that 45 day stopgap, which was a huge deal. So now what are we going to look at? You have Biden promising that he's going to get funding out. You have Zelensky uh, reassuring allies that U.S. aid is not going to dry up. They're, of course, probably very concerned and they're trying to figure out other ways, maybe get another uh, Sam Bankman-Fried style company <laughs> over there to do some kickbacks with payment processing. Anyways, um, yeah, I have concerns about where we go from here. This is the people's house, and right. I think it would behoove our representatives to remember that. The funny part of all of this, of yeah, you know, real quick though, you know, the funny part yeah. of this, of course, is that the Democrats have been far more for the war. Now, the Republicans have too, and McConnell's sure. throwing money and everything else. So ironically, Gates, in an effort, which I do believe him on that, we'll show a clip of him in just a second, I do believe that this was about funding mostly for Ukraine, which I'm complete, I think the three of us are probably on the same page, and most of my audience is too. It's like enough is enough. It was way too much already, um, and we should be funding the 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 border, which Sarah, you're in Texas, so you can talk about that as well. Um, but now he sided with the Democrats who are all for this war, Sarah. 
Yeah, no, I was just going to add to that, that uh, like uh, Libby's overall point, I think I, I typically would agree with when it comes to bipartisanship and having to work with the other side. I just personally feel like we're we're living in a time where I don't really want to agree with the de the Democrats have become so radical. Mm -hmm. I don't know what I want to be bipartisan on on with them, right? Like they want to spend all of our money in Ukraine. They don't want to secure the border. They want to, you know, uh, turn all of our. Well, I don't know how to say this on YouTube. They want to. <laughs> you could go whatever you want to say. Go ahead and say it. We're, we're on rumble. We're on locals. They don't yeah. believe in biology. I'll just say yeah. that um, the things that they you know want to do. To, to the children. And so I just, I'm not, there's not much that I want our side to agree with them on. And, and if that means the government shuts down for a little while, I personally am yeah. all for that because why, why, why take the power back in the house uh, Republicans being, why have the, that power and not wield it for something? And I, I just, that, that's just where I'm at personally. I Obviously the system was set up so that we could be bipartisan um, and, and come to agreements on stuff, but I just feel like the Democrats always, when they get the power, they wield it and they shove it down our throats. And we're always so concerned about, well, we have to go along to get along and we have to agree with them sometime. And I'm just, it just feels like we're coming from a position of weakness and I would just like to see that power wielded, which I think is why I was happy that something happened. Right, well, the, the fact that every Democrat voted with the quote unquote far right Matt Gates to take out the more moderate McCarthy tells yeah. you that. Did you guys right. happen exactly. to see, we, we played a clip of Thomas Massey who's been in Congress for years, who was against John Boehner when he was the Republican uh, uh, leader of the House. He was against Paul Ryan when he was the Republican leader of the House. And what Massey said I thought was really interesting. He said, this has been the most conservative uh, Republican majority that he's seen in his years. Now, it may not be good enough for everybody, but his argument was you leave McCarthy because he actually is doing some of those things. Do you think that flies at all, Libby, or the base has just had it either way and they're just like, ah, burn it down, it doesn't matter. So maybe he was okay, and Trump did back him, by the way. So it's a, it's a little bizarre. I think there's a lot of a burn it down mentality, and I appreciate what Sarah said. The Democrats do know how to unify and shove their points down our throats. That has a lot to do with them having something of a hive mind, whereas the conservatives tend to insist on thinking independently, uh, which is <laughs> which I thoroughly agree with. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, we do have a rather conservative majority. I think that that's a good thing. I appreciate the staunch determination to not go along with things as existential as the Ukraine war as border security um, and on, you know, as trans and kids and, in fact, abortion, you know, to a large degree. I appreciate that very much. Um, I just have concerns that we're going to see uh, a thorough holdup in government. Now, on the one hand, what that is, is that's that's what William F. Buckley wanted, you know, what is it, stand athwart history and yell yeah, stop? Yeah. Um, and maybe it is a good time to just say, you know what, hold on, everybody. We're not going to just run through everything and push everything through just so that things get done. Maybe this is a great time to take a real thorough assessment of where this nation is going, what's best for, for citizens, and what's best for, you know, our place in the world. I for the record, wrong with that. For the record, I'd have no problem with a 45-day shutdown or maybe a 365-day shutdown and cut all mm -hmm. of their salaries. And how about this? Mm -hmm. If you guys, are so, DL, you guys are so crossed up in budgets, how about you cut taxes on literally everybody exactly. for 20, 25% and then we'll figure it out. But why don't we throw to Matt Gates because here, here he is making his argument for exactly what happened. 
results on the border. The border is a disaster, really something I don't think you're going to be campaigning on, that you fix the border. Second, you said you streamlined regulations. What the gentleman from Louisiana doesn't tell you is that all of the regulatory reform he was just bragging about is waivable by the stroke of a pen of someone in the Biden White House. Do you really think you've got anything for that? It's a total joke. And then finally, the welfare to work that the gentleman from Louisiana said we got. The welfare programs that they said that they streamlined with their welfare to work stuff, they're actually going to grow. Because while they did work requirements, they blew out those programs with expanded eligibility. I'm real glad you guys didn't put work requirements on Medicaid. It probably would have resulted in Medicaid expansion. And when it comes to how those raise money, I take no lecture on asking patriotic Americans to weigh in and contribute to this fight from those who would grovel and bend knee for the lobbyists and special interests who own our leadership, who have, oh, boo all you want, who have hollowed out this town and have borrowed against the future of our future generations. I'll be happy to fund my political operation through the work of hardworking Americans, 10 and 20 and $30 at a time, and you all keep showing up at the lobbyist fundraisers. You know, Sarah, I think most people hear that and probably agree with the spirit of it, like this place is broken, so many of you feel like sellouts and everything else. But I also feel like there's like a little twang of like, oh, I'm the good guy, all of you are sellouts. It's a little bit like what Vivek did in that first debate, like I'm the honest one, you guys are all bought and sold. That seems a little disingenuous to me. Like it can't be that everyone else is evil as frustrated as we are with all of them, right? Or with many of them. No. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree with you. And obviously there's a, an element of theatrics uh, that Matt Gates imposes anytime he is on the floor. Um, but I, I don't, dis the, the thing is, is like, I don't disagree with his overall point. And I think mm -hmm. that, like you said, Dave, he's speaking to the everyday Americans or the everyday conservatives who are so tired of seeing what's going on in Washington. They're so tired of these people who pretend like they dislike each other whenever the cameras are on. And when the cameras turn off, they go out to dinner and have drinks together and laugh together. Um, the fight in uh, the, the, the heartland of the country, not in Washington, D.C., is very, very real. And you have the FBI and the DOJ actually targeting uh, Donald Trump supporters. You have them throwing people in jail for waving their flags at the Capitol on January 6th. And, you know, the blaze has done some really great investigative journalism on, uh, you know, perjury that perhaps has taken place when it comes to Nancy Pelosi's security. Uh, people who were in the know, who did this seemingly intentionally mm -hmm. to punish Donald Trump supporters. And so I think that when you look at what the other side is doing to us, it's like, I don't really care at the end of the day if Matt Gates puts on a little bit of theatrics and goes out there and says what we are all thinking, which is we're tired of you guys working for lobbyists. We're tired of you guys doing backroom deals with each other, which is not what we put you in office to do. And we want you to work for we the people. And if, if some politics goes into that and some theatrics goes into yeah. that, at the end of the day, I just bake that into the deal of, you know what, we need someone who brings the chaos that we're feeling as Americans in America. We need someone to bring that chaos to Washington, D.C. so the elitists can feel that same chaos that we're feeling every day. I think that's solid analysis. I think just in the last hour, by the way, uh, Donald Trump has endorsed Jim Jordan. I've had Jim Jordan on the show many times. I think he's a good guy. He's great on free speech and the tech stuff, especially. He doesn't want to fund Ukraine. Here's a little uh, video of Jim Jordan yesterday talking about what his policy would be related to Ukraine. Well, let's talk a little bit about aid for Ukraine, because there are a number of conservatives who say in your conference that they will sink any candidate for speaker 
who does support aid for Ukraine. So where are you on that? I've been clear all along. Why should we be sending American tax dollars to Ukraine when we don't even know what the goal is? No one can tell me what the objective is. Is it, is it some kind of negotiated peace? Is it driving them out of the eastern Ukraine? Is it driving them out of Crimea, which they've had for 10 years now, but they took during the Obama administration? What is the objective? And so until you can tell me the goal, I don't think we should continue to send money there, particularly when we have the problems we have on our border. So that's fundamental. Uh, I just think that's front and center. And then second, how is the money that's already been sent, how, is it, how has it been spent? Right. What kind of waste is going? Those are two fundamental questions that I think the American taxpayers want to know the answers to before they send any more of their hard-earned money there, particularly you're sending money there to protect Ukraine's border when right. we got the situation we have on our border. So sure. those are the fundamental questions that we should get answered before we even think about sending more money. Libby, sometimes it's fine. It's hard to find white pills these days, but that seems like a white pill to me. Like if we end up with him as the speaker, like that seems pretty solid, right? Yeah, you know, I thoroughly agree on that. Jordan was one of the names floated during that epic speaker fight in January. Uh, he was nominated a couple of times. I think even Matt Gates nominated him a couple of times, along with Byron Donaldson, Donald Trump, and you know, his pet cat or whatever else. But um, yeah, I think I think Jordan is actually a pretty stand-up guy, which is rare for a politician. And I appreciate his integrity on wanting to know where the money in Ukraine has already been spent and what the plan is for getting out of this situation. We hear Biden repeatedly say we're in it for as long as it takes, but we don't know as long as it takes to what. And I think that that's clearly so important. You also had uh, the House and Senate, I believe, both vote against um, an audit for what happened to the money so far. Mm -hmm. We see Ukraine, which is a country that is known for decades to be a very corrupt nation. We see um, defense ministers getting fired and we see consistent staffing changes. We see Zelensky actually putting in prison one of the guys who funded not only his acting career, but his political career. And now he's going after him. He's the big bad oligarch, you know, probably because he got all the money he could out of that guy. So it's time to get rid of him. Um, we don't know where the money is going in Ukraine. We don't know what the plan is for this war. We do know that the Pentagon reached out to Congress and said that they're going to have trouble replacing the weapons they have already sent to Ukraine. Biden has repeatedly promised no tanks, no F-16s, no uh, rockets, you know, no long-range missiles. Um, these things, these promises have consistently been broken. We don't know what else is going to be broken. There's, in fact, only one promise left that Biden has made that he hasn't broken with regard to the war in Ukraine, and that's that we won't be going to war with Russia. So if we continue on this course, we can expect Biden to break that promise as well. And before we know it, we're going to have an underfunded military situation here at home with our own troops. We're going to be continuing to pour money into Ukraine, and we're going to have our border completely decimated and our nation overrun. So, and by the way, by the way, for the, at least from where I'm sitting, at some point, if you've given somebody like hundreds of billions of dollars to be at war with, say, Russia, you're kind of at war with Russia, either whether you sign the document mm -hmm. or not. But let's go from the Gates-McCarthy uh, fight to this other fight that's brewing with the Republicans right now that I think clearly for the next year is going to overshadow everything, uh, which is the Trump-DeSantis situation, because uh, Ann Coulter, who was one of the main Trump backers, like one of the first people back in 2015 to back Trump. Uh, she's no longer into Donald. Uh, she's, she's moved to Camp DeSantis. She was on Patrick Bet David's 
podcast yesterday, and they got into it. It got it got pretty uh, pretty tiffy, you could say, uh, over some of Trump's uh, perceived failures, at least from Ann's perspective. He is that stupid. Respectfully, you sound bitter now. And, and, and the reason why... A, don't lie to us when you're campaigning and getting our votes. B, you sound like a, a battered woman making excuses. Well, maybe he won't hit me next time. It's been four years he's been beating the crap out of you. He had four years, Patrick. Four years. Yeah. Two with a Republican Congress. Oh, but I know he, he could have not hit me, but maybe he was thinking he was waiting for our golden anniversary to stop hitting me. He was just waiting for that perfect time. No, he had four years. He didn't build it. I don't know what other proof you could possibly want. Besides COVID, that was very big in 2020. And you say, and this reminds me, that you want, you want to feel safe. And boy, we don't feel safe now, especially Period. New York and LA. Oh, God. Oh, Philly, um, all these places. San Francisco. I mean, yeah, the list goes person, on like I am, where, where do you go? Anyway, um, and that was the George Floyd, May 25th, 2020, changed the world. We Suddenly we have to release all the criminals, among other things. Mm -hmm. um, one place you would have been safe in 2020 was in Florida. Thank you, Ron DeSantis, passing law after law where you can shoot looters, anti-rioting laws. I mean, there were specific actions he took that made, that meant there were no riots and no police stations were burnt down and you did not have police being assaulted. What did the commander in chief do? What did Trump do? He sent out tweets in all caps, law and order. Point one. Point two, at the first debate, what did... Donald Trump say to Joe Biden, you called them super predators. I'm releasing people from prison. How about the first step back? Thank you, Jared. He's releasing criminals. You want to feel safe? Donald Trump ain't your guy. I mean, man, she went on and on and on. And I don't think she said anything that was untrue there. Uh, don't, uh, you have to keep in mind, she also wrote a book called In Trump We Trust. She was also on Bill Maher in 2015, saying Trump was gonna be the nominee when he was polling at like 20, 25%, something like that. Uh, Sarah, like, I, I don't even know what to say. Wow, Coulter. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's quite the, uh, quite the turnaround. Look, I know for Ann Coulter, her number one issue was the border. And, you know, she is very upset that the border is not secure. I will say, look, Trump saying we're going to make Mexico pay for it, I always found to be preposterous because anyone who understands how things work knows you can't force another country to pay for it. <laughs> right, he's wall. admitted it's a lie since then, in essence. Right. He didn't say lie, right. but yeah. And, and I thought that that was, uh, that was a stumble, I thought, for him to say, oh, come on, you couldn't have possibly believed that. Because, I mean, you want to believe that when a politician is telling you that they're going to do something, that they actually intend to do it. Um, so I did think that that was a stumble for his campaign. And I, I don't blame her for being upset. I will say he did have a Congress that fought him a lot of the time on funding the border wall uh, every step of the way. But still, she has very reasonable critiques of Donald Trump that I think he needs to answer for. I think that when you add in all of the COVID stuff too. Donald Trump was very good and very effective at a lot of things. Donald Trump also had a lot of weaknesses specifically during COVID that I think that he needs to answer for. And I think that the problem is that not only has he not answered for them, he's actually doubled down on a lot of them. Uh, he's doubled down on the vaccine still when it's just this bizarre uh, place where, you know, you have the majority of conservatives now who are totally against this vaccine, but still are okay with Trump touting it. 
they have questions about you know uh, the efficacy and things of that nature, but they still uh, they back Trump mm -hmm. on it. So it's a very weird dynamic here where we're willing to admit that he failed on these things, but we're not willing to hold his feet to the fire on them. Um, I, I maybe that's because you know I'm sure you guys are very familiar with this. I'm I try to call balls and strikes the way that I see them on my show, and I will you know I will maybe gently criticize Trump on something that I thought that he could have done better. I don't like his answers on abortion. Uh, you know, I, I don't like a lot of his answers that he's given Megyn Kelly and things like that. And when I'll say like, hey, I don't like hearing that from him. I would have have liked to hear stronger conservative language. I get called a DeSantis shill. If, yeah. I, if I criticize DeSantis, I get called a Trumper. And I'm like, I can't win. But at the end of the day, I just want someone to say what they mean and mean what they say and follow through on what they're saying. Sarah, you don't, you don't need my advice as a broadcaster, but that's all you can do, right? You can just tell people what you think and the chips fall where they may. But Li right. Libby, what do you think about that point where it seems to me that Trump has had some major missteps in some of these interviews with Megyn Kelly and a bunch of others. And if anyone says anything about them, we're, we're just not allowed to because the base will be angry at you, uh, even when Anne makes a series of good points. In a really difficult position on the conservative side, um, where we have two candidates who um, primarily are the ones that everyone thinks about, DeSantis and Trump, and the two of them can't get along at all, and we're just going to destroy ourselves and destroy Congress and destroy any standing that we have of credibility. And I think that that's a shame. Um, Coulter, well, I would say that there's point. one who's consistently lying about the other. I, like, I don't think it's exactly, you don't think it's perfectly symmetrical, do you? I think there's a lot of attacks going on, and I haven't dug into either of the attacks. I hate the attack language, and I, I agree with Sarah. I want people to say what they mean, and I want people to be direct and honest. That's that's all I'm really interested in in a politician. Uh, of course, it's the those are the two things that politicians are most incapable of delivering. <laughs> but I think that it's uh, you know the polling keeps coming out in Trump's favor, and it's it's interesting to wonder why that is. You have Hillary Clinton coming out saying that the MAGA base needs to be deprogrammed. She's absolutely shocked that no matter how much gets thrown at Donald Trump, the polls still stand up in his favor. I wonder, though, it's interesting you were talking about how uh, you can't speak out against Trump. I think in a lot of ways you can't speak out against DeSantis either. Either way, you get slammed by somebody, which is why it's key to just say, this is the thing that happened. What do you guys think? A lot of this election, a lot of the entirety of 2024 is in the hands of the base, the grassroots on either side, Democrat or Republican side. It's the country is pretty evenly split. So it's really going to be quite a battle for those people, for the Americans to determine who's going to come out on top what perspective is going to win the day. And I don't think that's clear at all. Um, yeah. When I look at one of the things that was so uh, key about DeSantis was the idea that he was more electable. Well, as soon as he started coming out uh, saying that he was going to run, you had Joy Reid calling him a white supremacist and all mm -hmm. of this, using the same tired garbage language that was unfounded against him as they would use against Trump or literally any front runner. So what does that say? Is there any way for a conservative candidate to gain the support of Democrats, of liberals, of, you know, well, of independents? 
Yeah, but, but I think I, I think there is maybe not maybe not on MSNBC, but his election exactly. in Florida is proof of that, right? Like the amount of liberals, yeah. former liberals. I mean, you're looking at one of them who now are. I would say I'm a hardcore Florida Republican. I'm not a Republican at a national level, but they're a clear. You know, the guy won by twenty some odd points. I want to throw to a clip of DeSantis because you both repeated a line about you want a politician who does what he says and says what he's going to do, or flip that the other way. And here are two clips that we put together just in the last day or so, and let's see if that's what he's doing here. A voter that goes to 10 rallies, their vote counts the same as somebody that's unenthusiastic and then goes and votes. And, and we just have to understand that. And people will act like 2020, they're like, you know, Biden was, was such a disaster. But here's the thing, I don't, think, I don't think anybody voted for Biden, okay? They were voting against Trump. That was why they did it. I mean, let's just be honest. He, in, he energized Democrats. You could have John Kennedy walk through the door right now and he wouldn't energize Democrats as much as Donald Trump does. That's just the reality. What did we do in Florida with these Democrats? We defeated these Democrats. We left the Democratic Party in Florida in a pile of ruins. They're dead. Trump endorsed Paul Ryan when we were trying to remove him in the Freedom Caucus back in 2016. Trump endorsed McCarthy. Trump endorsed McConnell for re-election in 2020. Uh, I didn't do any of those things. That was Trump, not me. And so here's the thing. Uh, that is delusional stuff. Look at what I've done as governor, okay? We fought the biomedical security state. There weren't very many Republicans willing to do that. We banned gender transition surgeries for minors. Not a lot of Republicans have been willing to do that. We banned sanctuary cities. We put in E-Verify. How many people associated with Paul Ryan would have sent illegal aliens to Martha's Vineyard? Uh, we've pushed back against DEI and ESG ban central bank digital currency. There's not a single elected Republican in the country who can match that record. That's why I always says like that's why I always say like backing him it's making my job easy because I don't think you heard anything that was that was dishonest. I'll let, I'll let you guys get to it, but just on a quick point on whether you can get Democrats to switch over. In Florida when Ron DeSantis took over as governor in 2018, Democrats had plus 300,000 voters registered. It is now plus 600,000 Republicans. That's a 900,000 registered voter wow. swing. Sarah, so the proof is kind of in the pudding there, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, he has the track record to run off of, uh, obviously. I think the question is, there are so many other factors at play when you look at the dynamics of this particular campaign season. Uh, mostly the idea that Trump continues to get indicted. And I think that that's just bolstering, you know, yeah. I, I have the same um, knee-jerk reactions that the grassroots does. When you look at that and you go, well, they're doing that to him. I can't believe they're doing that to him. We have to support him now. Look at what the left is doing to him. And so I think that, you know, Ron DeSantis is running at this unprecedented time where uh, the left is literally trying to, I believe, trying to imprison one of their political opponents who he happens to be running against in the primary. And so I think what it comes down to is Americans are really going to have to decide what it is that they want. Do they want someone that has a proven track record, who's done all the work in Florida that you just mentioned, uh, specifically when it comes to the voter rolls, specifically when it comes to transforming a purple state into a very heavy red state? Do you want someone who says, hey, you know what, I, I may not, I may not, you know, uh, pick the battles that Donald Trump does. I may not tweet mean things all the time. I may not take that, you know, stance. But at the end of the day, I get things done. Is that what you want, America? They're going to have to decide if they want that 
or if they just want the fighter, uh, you know, the the guy that tweets mean things, the guy that, again, he had a lot of good track record, a lot mm -hmm. of good history as president, but he also, as I said before, has things he has to answer for. So I would hope that America would vote on um, say what they mean, mean what they say, and delivering results. I'm just not convinced that the average American voter appreciates that more than they appreciate someone going on a CNN town hall and you know attacking <laughs> Caitlyn Collins the way that they want them to. Right, I totally hear you. Like there's sort of competency versus the show, and it, that's just for the mm -hmm. people to decide. Uh, I want to show you one clip of. Trump yesterday because he, you know, apparently, you know, I got a great idea for you, for Sarah, you at The Blaze, and Libby, you at Post Millennial. You wanna do something interesting. Start looking into what's going on with these polls because I've been checking them out on, you know, when you see all these polls go through and I've been looking at some of the data. You know that almost all of these polls, it's like 500 to 1,000 people. Like these are tiny, tiny samples. It might just be worth doing a little dive on that. But here's Trump yesterday, apparently up by 50 points, uh, talking about the guy that has no chance. There's a bad seed there. He's a bad seed. Like you plant, every once in a while you have a bad seed. You think it's good, but it's bad. I mean, anybody that you get elected should support you. If I help somebody, if somebody, you know, I help somebody, and it does happen on occasion, I figure 10% of the time, you help somebody a lot, then all of a sudden you see they go against you. And you, see, you just can't, it's hard to like those people, but it happens. Mostly good, 90% good. Man, the juxtaposition just of how they speak is just becoming just so wide and wide. I mean, Libby, can you think of anyone that Donald Trump has been loyal to? His whole thing is that DeSantis isn't being loyal to him. Is there anyone from Kayleigh McEnany on down? Uh, Trump speaks a lot about loyalty, but in most cases, I feel like he means loyalty to him as opposed to necessarily <laughs> loyalty to others. Um, no, there has not been a ton of a ton of loyalty there, although the base has been thoroughly loyal to him. And we do see that in the polling. You may have questions about the methodology behind those polling, but the, the latest RCP average shows uh, Trump leading Biden in a head-to-head -head matchup and DeSantis trailing Biden. So this is a question. If DeSantis, as, as you believe, obviously, is the better candidate, why isn't that permeating? Um, if Trump has all of these faults, as as you say that he does, why is that not permeating to the uh, you know down into the into the base of the party and to the American people? Um, I do, I also agree with you though. When people voted for Biden, they were voting against Trump. I know mm -hmm. that that's definitely true among people in my family that were voting for Biden. They didn't like him very much. They don't like him now, um, but they still don't like Trump. And these are people who are you know sort of purple in their own. Right. their own politics. Um, yeah. But yeah, one, actually, one, uh, one, wait, one, one quick correction, see, one quick wait, correction. One I, the one thing I was very pleased to see was that as everyone was uh, yelling for Trump to be speaker, he came out and backed Jordan. So I was very happy about that. No, that was good to see. And I think I, my guess is DeSantis will back Jordan too. So maybe this gets us to a little unity for whatever value that, that word has anymore. Quick correction, because I do like to correct myself, unlike CNN or MSNBC, uh, the Trump speech was not from yesterday, it was from last week. I know it's a minor correction, but there you go. Uh, but let's move on to the border stuff, because I think putting aside all of the Republican fights and everything else, this border situation is completely, completely insane. I wanna start with this video that every single American should have seen this video. This should have been the lead on every 6.30 NBC, CBS, uh, ABC News program and everything else, every cable news program, but of course it was not. Check out what is going on at the Texas border. This is in El Paso. This is, I think, two days ago. 
Absolutely insane, absolutely insane. There are many other videos like that. We are being told the border is secure. We've been gaslit for the last two years with this administration. Sarah, you're in Texas. I know this one's personal to you, go ahead. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, what you're seeing right there is how a republic crumbles. It, it is mind-boggling to me that this administration is so tone-deaf that they think that this could end any way other than complete destruction of the entire country. Uh, you know, this is why you see people like, um, you know, Mayor Eric Adams, you see Kathy Hochul, you see, uh, you know, leaders in Chicago, you see all of these blue cities, blue states who previously were like, oh, well, we're just sanctuary cities because we just care about immigrants. We, we want to bring... <laughs> Bring them, bring the masses. And they're finding out, oh, wait a second, we don't have the economic resources to sustain this, which is the entire point. And so, you know, I watch this stuff and, and I'm thinking, obviously I'm gonna vote for whoever the Republican candidate is. Sign me up, I'll crawl over broken glass to yep, vote me for too, them. Me too, me but, too. But, but, but I, I don't think that I can take any Republican seriously who does not say this cannot end in any way other than, sure, secure the border, we gotta do that. But we have to talk about mass deportations. I know it's a very difficult thing for Republican candidates to talk about. I think it feels very icky for them to actually say the words out loud. But you look at that amount of people, just in that one video, now multiply that by the millions and millions and millions of people just who have come in in the last two and a half years. What is that going to look like 10 years down the line for this country? They're taking over New York hotels. I mean, we're hearing all sorts of, of stories about what a drain they are financially. Just wait until you multiply that in 10 years. Where does that lead? We have to get these people out of the country. And I think that Republican candidates and just candidates overall really need to start talking about a, a, a two or three or four-pronged approach, sure, secure the border, but we've got to get these people who are coming in. We have got to remove them. Yeah, and you're also, by the way, you're making a great point, which is worth reiterating, that the Democrats, like Eric Adams and all the rest, Kathy Hochul in New York, all of them, they, they literally said come. They said come, and now they got it, and now they're pissed. Yeah. Uh, but the gaslighting needs to be exposed. Here is Corinne Jean-Pierre in 2021, when a whole bunch of us were talking about what's going on, but here she is in 2021, and then we'll compare that to yesterday. The uh, president's nominee for lead customs and border protection said in a Senate uh, confirmation hearing yesterday that uh, he supported the continued use of Title 42. He also indicated it was his view that, that certain sections of the border wall should be finished. Does the president agree? Well, as, as you know, we have said that um, I, I have to look at this, the uh, comments. I have not seen them, so I want to make sure I, I read it within context. Uh, but we have talked about the border wall here in, in general as, as a way uh, that uh, it's been used in, in a, to, to, you know, to, to close the border. And we feel that it is a policy that doesn't work. And it's not just us. Uh, you know, experts have said that. Uh, the border wall is not, uh, is not an effective policy. As far as those comments, I can't comment on that. I actually, I have not seen it. We feel a wall doesn't work, but a wall does work. A wall is a physical thing and you'd have to maybe walk around it or climb over it or someone would have to open a door, which we're showing a lot of videos lately of fences. I have a fence in front of my house. It makes it more difficult to get to my front door. Like Libby, so much of this is just an abject denial of reality, right? 
It is an abject denial of reality. Uh, when the during the Trump administration, I think uh, immigration, illegal immigration, was halted by some eighty percent. Just recently, you had the Biden administration start selling off lots of equipment and uh, materials that could be used to build that wall. They sold it off at a fraction of what it was purchased for, and now they're saying they're going to build the wall again. They say that the border's not open, then they say that it's open and they're going to close it, and then they say this doesn't work and that doesn't work, and we're not trying to do any of this other stuff. We're not sending migrants out all over the country. Yes, we are. It's that classic thing that they do where they say this isn't happening. Wait, okay, it is happening, and it's a good thing, right? Mm. That's what they keep doing. They do that about transing kids. They do that about abortion. They do it about the border wall. And what I find particularly infuriating uh, as a New Yorker, um, you know, that's my hometown, is you have Eric Adams saying, we want the borders open, but we're going to go down there and tell them not to come. Mm -hmm. That's that's (laughs) not going to work. You have Kathy Hochul saying, like, hey, everyone, go somewhere else. And everyone down in Mexico and Guatemala, wherever it is that they're, you know, coming up from, are like, hey, you know what we're going to do? We're going to go to New York. You know why? They're giving out free beds, free food. They're going to make sure we get jobs. You had AOC out there a couple of weeks ago in front of the Roosevelt Hotel saying like, oh, let's get more work visas for Venezuelans. There's New Yorkers that need jobs. The whole point of the right to shelter law was to make sure that homeless New Yorkers had a place to go, to make sure that homeless families had a place to sleep and a place to to have their children not be sleeping outside, and now we're just, we're housing the whole world? What is this? This is ludicrous. And the Biden administration doesn't care. They're not doing anything about it. They're going to push everything in. And then the next thing you know, what they're doing in a lot of these uh, states is they're saying, you know what we're going to do? We're going to get IDs for illegal immigrants. Mm -hmm. You have uh, Minnesota giving out driver's licenses. New York City, you can get an ID. Then you have city council saying non-citizens should get the vote. Now, that was struck down by the, you know, a high New York court, and that's great. But it's being pushed through all over the place. And now you have ICE is going to be giving out, you know, proper card IDs to um, to illegal immigrants. And in there, it's it's absolutely insane. And, and by the way, insane. it's all nuts. By the way, the, the real devil of what they do, the real like nasty part is that right before the election, they'll get a little bit better and confuse people, right? So then the, they will have created all of the problems, but you, you can kind of feel it happening right now. We're going into, we have a year till the general election, so suddenly they're gonna get a little bit better on the border, although they're the ones that created the problem. But here now, uh, uh, what's it, Homeland Security, uh, the Department of Homeland Security, is he, what is he, Mayorkas? What's his title? Mayorkas, yeah. uh, Homeland Security Secretary. Uh, Secretary of Homeland Security, thank you. He's just such a piece. Of, I always get lost with him because the he eyebrows are so saying, insane. We're not but saying he, don't come. We're saying don't come now. Right, so he did that a couple of weeks ago. And wait, then wait, now wait. he's saying, oh, maybe we should build a wall or something like that. But Biden's saying we shouldn't. Here's uh, yesterday cringe Jean-Pierre on that. Uh, the president just told me that a border wall does not work. If that's the case, why does his own Department of Homeland Security secretary say in a public notice, quote, there is presently an acute and immediate need to construct physical barriers? Here's what I can say. I can speak to what the president was very clear in saying and also what you all have been reporting about, uh, about this uh, uh, this construction. Uh, so the facts are this. Uh, this, uh, this is not new. Uh, these funds were appropriated in fiscal year 2019 under Republican leadership, and DHS is required by law to use the funds for appropri- appropriated purpose. That's what we're seeing. This was announced back in June by the DHS. And so, look, we, we believe that there are better effective ways of moving forward to secure our border.
border and security. We, our border security, and we have continuously asked for Congress uh, to act uh, to provide our CBP, uh, the law enforcement, uh, law enforcement at the border, uh, to give them the resources they need to do their jobs. And so we're going to continue to call on Congress. We believe, and the president has been very clear, even when you ask him, does a does a border wall work? He said no. Uh, and he's been very consistent about that. We believe that we need uh, border technology that is modernized and land ports of, uh, at, uh, at, of land ports of entry. And that's what we want to see. And that's what I can speak to. I love it. I love it. We just don't believe walls work. It's funny because we Googled it just now. Every prison in America has a wall because it huh. keeps people in and it keeps other people out. By the way, have either one of you ever done fentanyl? Because I just realized that she might be human fentanyl because every time... Every time I play a clip of her, I actually just kind of like slouch over and I just kind of drool and uh, like I can't really speak while, I mean, Sarah, everything with her. It's just like she should be studied one day, like the level of dribble, right? <laughs> oh, for sure. I mean, it's agonizing, but I, I almost feel bad for her because you really have to believe just being Joe Biden's press secretary <laughs> has to already be the worst job in the world. And then uh, when you my sympathy is gone. Well, right. But then you factor in the fact that she's completely incompetent to begin with. And then yeah. you're like, there's no way you're saving that. Um, it's fascinating to watch her say, well, we just believe borders don't work. I mean, you had the president coming out and saying, I asked for Congress to reappropriate that, redirect the that appropriated money to pay for something else because I really don't want a border wall. It's just so bizarre to me. You look at the national polling, national security is polling as one of the top issues for a Americans, not just Republicans. I think I read like 57% of Americans put national security at the top of the list. And so it's just so wild to hear Karine Jean-Pierre say something so off the wall, like borders, do walls don't work. What do what doors don't work? Locks don't work. Well, what are we doing in our houses? Locking our <laughs> doors at night. If, if none of these barriers work, I mean, it's just so preposterous to me. And I'll add one other thing, Dave. Um, she mentioned in the first clip that you played, experts say, Experts say mm -hmm. that, that border barriers don't work. And I'm wondering which experts she talked to. Is this like a captain of Al-Qaeda who's like, yeah, border walls don't work. Definitely <laughs> don't put those up. Yeah, we'll it's fentanyl right experts. The yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Libby, it's worth noting that you are in a hotel today, right? What? I'm sorry. It's worth noting that you're in a hotel today, right? And because you're in Miami, you're in a hotel right now. Does that hotel have a door? that maybe would prevent some people from coming in and other people. Does your room that you're in have a door or any sort of barrier to the hallway? It does, and you might be shocked to know this, but you need a key to get into oh, that door to actually man. access it. She's killing it. And even once you're in the room, there's a lock on the bathroom door as well, even though I'm the only one here. So, Whoa. Um, yeah, I mean, the security is extra tight here in Miami. <laughs> no, that doesn't work, that doesn't work. Yeah, no, that's insane. and. I, I don't understand this woman at all. Karine Jean-Pierre is the worst press secretary I've ever seen. I thought Jen Psaki was bad, yeah. but Jean-Pierre <laughs> is uh, so poorly informed. You know, she repeats herself. She says top of mind. She's still doing that thing. Top of mind is even worse than circling back. You know? <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> which I got tired of for sure. But yeah, I think that what you were saying, Dave, is actually right. The Biden administration is going to pivot to vaguely appearing like they're going to try and crack down on the border while not actually doing anything, simply because we're going into an election year and they don't want to be tripped up on that. They don't want to be called out for their immense failure here. But I think that Republicans and conservatives really have a responsibility to hammer what's going on at the border yeah. and to hammer what's going on in Ukraine, because these are massive um, national security issues. We're spending tons of money in Ukraine to protect their borders. We're doing nothing to protect our own border. We are losing, you know, we're losing money here um, because we keep spending all of that money. We're sending all of our arms. The Pentagon says we don't have replacement ability for those weapons. And another thing, too, then this was very, um, this was not really reported, but Zelensky made a deal with, I think, 2,000 U.S. defense companies that made a deal with maybe like three Ukrainian companies to start building munitions factories in Ukraine. So one of the, one of the benefits, if you will, of war of waging war for the United States in the past has been that, you know, while it's devastating and all of that, it does have, provide a big boon to our mm -hmm. economy. We mm -hmm. make money on war. We make money on selling weapons. Um, but now if Ukraine is going to be making their own weapons, where are we going to be? How? What are we doing? Like, are we just going to spend money so that they can build factories and we're just going to like just keep bleeding all of this money? We're not even doing the stupid thing we're doing right, I think <laughs> is my point. I'm pretty sure we can always find another war to go to. Uh, <laughs> ladies, I want to thank you as always. I also, uh, you can tell me if I can speak for all three of us when I say this, uh, but our criticism of Corinne Jean-Pierre is directed at her. I love the black lesbian community. I, I consider myself a black lesbian. Uh, I just want to say to you two black lesbians, what a pleasure having you guys. Have a great weekend. Uh, we got a post-game show coming up for our local subscribers at rubenreport.locals.com. Black lesbians, white lesbians, lesbians of all stripes are welcome, and retired lesbians, whatever. We're, we're going to be there in just a second. Thank you, guys. See you later. Thank you. I see. Or not that they're asking, what's your advice to the next, next House Speaker? That's a public paper. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Be sure to subscribe and rate this podcast. And don't forget, you can watch my direct messages live on Blaze TV and YouTube every weekday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern. And of course, if you want to connect with me personally and get early access to my sit-down interviews, join rubenreport.locals.com.